leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to preface this episode with the fact that uh, Corbin and I recorded this on Saturday evening, so uh, quite a lot of NBA news has, uh, has come out since that point. Of course, uh, we've, we've had some news about some players sitting out, including Trevor Ariza and Avery Bradley, and uh, also the positive tests of Nikola Jokic and uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So, of course, uh, you know, we wish those guys the very best of health and, and hopefully a, uh, a smooth recovery and uh, yeah, just uh, keep that in mind as uh, we, we break down these, uh, these teams into tiers that uh, we, we didn't have that information going in. Enjoy. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it. Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike. To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's all over. The Chicago Bulls have won. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. Alongside my co-host, Corbin Ford, I am Garrett Bougay, and this is actually our, our second run at this episode, as uh, Corbin and I were uh, just talking for about 15 minutes, and the, uh, the Adobe Edition crashed on me, so this is our uh, second shot at this, but we're going to be doing a uh, episode on NBA Tears. And uh, we thought it would be it would be fun to get into the uh, the topic of the the current NBA. Of course, we've been talking a lot of uh, classic basketball in, in recent weeks and months. So uh, it'll be fun to actually talk about some some current teams and and actually rank these teams into four categories. We've got title favorites, title challengers, dangerous playoff teams, and then teams that are on a short Disney vacation. So. Uh, I guess uh, to start, Corbin, for me, the the idea of a title favorite is a team that, you know, I think would, would probably have a 20-plus percent chance of, of going all the way, a team that would, would not surprise either of us if, if they, if they uh, won it all. And then, you know, the title challengers, that category would be teams that, you know, making a finals run w- would not be surprising, but they probably have to have a, um, you know, 
a fortunate thing with with an injury to to potentially get all the way to to the NBA uh, championship. Then dangerous playoff teams, teams that we we would probably be shocked if they actually uh, you know took it took it all the way. Uh, but uh, you know, still are are solid teams that that might make a conference finals, and then the the, the teams that are uh, just going to be in Orlando for a short period of time. You know, if if your season ends after these eight regular season games, and or if it ends after the first round of the playoffs, most of these teams are going to be done within a month. Yeah, I feel that exactly, and it's weird because you're right. Some of these is especially if it feels top heavy to me. A lot of the the arguments are more in the bottom and, and we're more in the middle because the bottom of the teams that are there are there for a reason. We knew that going in. Um, you know, in, in the case of two of them, they're kind of lucky to be there. That's great. And then you have this, like, glut in the middle where there's some interesting conversation that can be had. And in the top, I mean, unless you really feel strong about one team or another in the challenger category, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get with the title favorites, too. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's not a – it's interesting, but it, it's more in the middle than any of the action really is. Yeah, so so let's get into it. Uh, the the bottom t- category that I have, I have ten teams in this grouping, and we were we were talking briefly. You've got the the same ten teams on your list. So uh, let's start with with the bottom two, probably the two teams that that shouldn't be there. That is the the Phoenix Suns and Washington Wizards who have uh, very slim chances of actually making the postseason. I think I, I heard that Kevin Arnovitz did a, did 100 simulations of this, and the, uh, the the Phoenix Suns never made it to any of the simulations. Wow. Yeah, that's that, that's a shame, but I mean, I'm not totally surprised. Uh, loss of Kelly Oubre is going to be huge for them, uh, especially when he provided not only the offensive end, um, rebounding, he was solid. He was a guy who was sliding into a, a nice... Uh, you know, third piece who was potentially a second piece a lot of times between Aiden and Booker. And, you know, they were a solid team this year. I mean, the Suns can look basically to the next year with, with signs of improvement that, you know, they had made enough of an adjustment that they were even invited into this, which I think is more of a moral victory than anything. But let's be real, heading into this situation, they lost 12 of their last 18. The injuries hit them hard. Defensive, not super great. Offensive, there's still issues. Um, there's a lot of teams that leap over and their schedule isn't exactly the easiest. So, like, getting this chance is nice. You can spin that into a, a good story and some extra motivation, but uh, that's really all you can get from the Suns end this year. Yeah, and, and I'm pleased for you, though, as the as the site expert on Valley of the Sun that uh, that they're in this because you'll actually have some, some things to write about with for all your articles and... Uh, I imagine a lot of the site experts for the for the teams that are that are not involved in this are, are really struggling to come up with articles to, and uh, things to talk about. But uh, yeah, the the Ubre injury, as you mentioned, a, a a big blow. And another thing that I don't think is getting mentioned enough is you know you talk about the Wizards, you talk about the Suns, and a few other teams in this uh, in this tournament. You know they're they're significantly under 500, and now they're going to be playing nothing but quality basketball teams <laughs> so you know the the likelihood that these teams that were 28 and 34 playing you know all 30 teams uh, all of a sudden are going to be better than that when when the the bottom eight teams are just eliminated is a bit optimistic yeah i mean yeah it's it's some of this is interesting like you said the fact the way that is structured makes for at least some compelling conversations but in general yeah this is i I don't know wrapping my head around it's been something i've been all over the place with 
uh, that's, yeah, the uh, the Wizards, another team that just uh, you know again shouldn't be there. They they they're twenty four and forty. That just simply is not good enough to, to deserve a spot here, and it's it's purely a money play from the NBA's perspective. And and bringing more people into this situation is just seems a little bit foolish. But uh, they're there, and uh, they're they're likely going to to be there for just a couple of weeks. Uh, but but uh, yeah, moving on to, to some other teams, you know the the Spurs are are pretty low on my list here in large part because of the news that Lamarcus Aldridge will not be coming. And uh, of course, you know as we move closer to that July 31st date, we may even have some more players and, and news coming out of of guys that that might not show up. I heard news today that Victor Oladipo is going to test out his repaired toward quad tendon this week to determine if he'll play. Uh, so so you even have some players that that were playing when the NBA got can- or the season was postponed uh, that are questioning whether it's safe or if uh, you know their rehabbing from these injuries is is appropriate for for this environment. Yeah, and that's another that's thing to consider because a lot of it is, you know, and this could extend even to the possible free agents that get signed before the season's back in play. Is it worth it? You know, you're putting you're in a in a unprecedented situation concerning health with the coronavirus, with the different um, like team and, and, and NBA league wide structural changes currently for this bubble in this playoff, you know. Um, regular season and playoff series so a lot of them are recuperating that are coming off of injuries that are you know kind of battling some right now it's like is it worth the risk you know not only just for myself being with my family having the possible transitional changes there coming into a situation where i'm still recovering from an injury or potentially re-injure myself which is always a concern it's a lot that has to be managed and so i, I don't envy any of these players because a lot of this is hard to to deal with on a regular season, much less with everything else going on. Yeah, and, and not only do you have to worry about hurting yourself if you are an impending free agent, but then also, even if you stay healthy, there is the concern that the salary cap, uh, and, and I think it's um, it's destined that the, the salary cap is going to be lowered because the, the NBA is going to lose some money, even if this uh, you know, restart goes off without a hitch, they, they still are going to lose something like $300 million dollars. Uh, so, so contracts moving forward are probably going to be lower than expected. So players have a lot of financial troubles and, and, and things to consider moving forward. But yeah, the, the next couple of teams I have are the couple of teams at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic. Uh, both of these teams, again, at the bottom of the, the weaker Eastern Conference, uh, they're, they're both significantly under five hundred. Uh, there's there's talks that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will not be playing for the Brooklyn Nets, and then also I've heard rumors that Jonathan Isaac might not play for the Magic. So you know a couple of teams that already were struggling, uh, you know, might be shorthanded heading into this restart. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and for those players, it's it's pretty big parts of their teams. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, at least defensively, is a great. Um, part of the defense for the Magic. I was going to say great impact, but he makes a good impact. But the Magic team's been pretty bad in general. Their defense is okay. Um, offensively, pretty much bad at everything with really a lack of decent offensive initiators. Um, Evan Foyer is decent. Terrence Ross can get hot, but they're not great shooting either from the field or from three, so that's rough. And then with the Nets, I mean, where did we already start and end with Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving. And with the lack of those two, 
you have a, a decent team of supporting players. Spencer Dinwiddie can go off maybe once or twice, or Karis LeVert, but you're not really getting a whole lot there. Um, and definitely nothing that can lead you to believe that they will have a long stay in Orlando. So, yeah, I mean, that's really all i got to say about them. They're there, they saw, and they'll be gone. Yeah, Milwaukee and Toronto will, will, will likely wipe the floor with those uh, with those two basketball teams. Uh, the, the next four teams I had on my list are the teams uh, between 8 and 11, between the 8 and 11 seeds in the West, including the Memphis Grizzlies currently in the 8th spot, then Portland, then you've got uh, New Orleans and Sacramento. Uh, but all four of those teams, you know, I could see uh, any of those teams potentially sneaking into the 8th spot, although I would probably say the Kings are the, uh, the team that's least likely to, to make that jump. Um, but, you know, out of those four teams, even if they were to, to get in, and, and of course there may even be a play-in, if, if the ninth seed is within four games of eight, there will be a play-in, uh, the, the, the team that will eventually be that eighth seed will have to go up against the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, and that will also be a short kind of spell. Although, I mean, I don't know, with the Kings, I feel like they played well, you know, um, at least heading up to this break, but just with what's going on now, yeah, they'd be they'd be easy fodder. In fact, most teams in that A spot will be. A uh, person I would love to see um, the Pelicans, obviously for the yes. stories and everything they tell. But um, yeah, no, everything else you mentioned. I mean, again, this, I, all I can do is perfectly agree with you because there's not much else to add. I mean, the Lakers are gonna just run roughshod over them, just in general. There might be some fun matchups and storylines, but when it comes to rolling the ball on the court and playing from there, nope. Yeah, and and Portland was the only team that initially I had considered as a. Uh, in, in the tier higher, you know, if they were in a different circumstance, you know, if they didn't have to go up against, like, the, the, the likes of the Lakers or Clippers, I could potentially see them making a long playoff run because, you know, they're going to have Yusuf Nurkic and, and Zach Collins back for this. And, uh, you know, they, they made that uh, trade at the deadline to get Trevor Ariza. So their roster looks okay. And, you know, Gary Trent Jr., another guy that has stepped up and, and played pretty well. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Blazers play the best basketball out of this lowest group uh but but yeah just that uh even again getting that eighth spot you you go up against lebron and ad and and there's there's really no hope speaking to the players specifically yeah i mean i just just i just take or, or don't take for granted maybe the fact that although they've recovered that gel time and getting back with the team they've been gone most of the year i don't think they have enough time to even form i mean yeah they play with those guys for a while but i don't think it's a seamless fit along with carmel and others in general that, yeah, if they'd been a little later or they had more time to play together or something there, then I would agree if they were in the middle of the pack playing the Thunder or maybe the Rockets or something, totally. But as it stands now, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, the last team that I have in this uh, in this tier, uh, which, which may come as a surprise uh, to some people listening, is the Utah Jazz. And a big, big reason for that, despite the fact that, you know, they're uh, I forget if they're the fourth, they're the fourth or the fifth seed in the in the West as of now, um, but uh, they will not have their their starting power forward Boyan Bogdanovich, who has been big for them, averaging around 20 points a game, shooting great from three, really providing that great floor spacing that they've lacked in recent years. And another thing that this Utah Jazz team lacks, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, the Jazz will just be who they were the last couple of years. But, you know, those teams had Derek Favors, and uh, Favors played uh, a big role in, in their series win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
uh, he uh, you know is a is a quality starting big, and and they just don't have that. They're going to be playing you know uh, George's Niang as uh, as probably maybe their their uh, their starting uh, four, or at least giving him significant minutes if they opt to go with the uh, starting Joe Ingles. But you know they're they're not going to be as deep. Uh, Mike Conley has just not uh, not transitioned too well to this basketball team, and uh, there's also the whole the whole issue of uh, of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and and that beef. Yeah, and, and I mean if you saw Gobert's recent uh, Facebook uh, shenanigans, by the time uh, you hear this, check it out. If you didn't, um, yeah, it's just weird. It, the tension is weird, and that's not just between Gobert and Mitchell, but also it's been weird between benching and starting Joe Ingles and. Finding Mike Conley's perfect fit on the team, and now you lose a key member of the team that was kind of making whatever this was work, you know, for Utah. It's just been a weird, oddly dysfunctional year, and you lose a key part um, of your offense, of your um, initiating, of your shooting with the loss of um, Bogdanovich. And now, yeah, you're right, the bench offensively is pretty poor. I mean, it's been kind of a struggle for the most of the season. So I, I, I see a surprisingly quick. Um, out for them. You're putting a lot more pressure on Donovan Mitchell to create offensively. Um, you're hoping that Mike Conley can bring something to the table there as well to add. Uh, you know you can't get anything really from Gobert outside of finishing, just pure finishing there. And the tension is kind of real. So all of that to me leads to, yeah, I think a surprising to some quick out, but to yourself and obviously myself, not surprised to anyone. Yeah, so so let's move on then to, to tier number three, which is the dangerous playoff teams. I've got five teams in this tier. How, how many do you have? Um, I'm looking pretty much the same. Um, wait, no, I got six. Okay, so interesting. We'll have uh, we'll have uh, some some disagreements when we get to the uh, the title challengers, I imagine. So yes. uh, so the 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 bottom couple of teams on my list, teams that you know. If they win a first-round series, that wouldn't shock me, but uh, I, I really um, would, would have a hard time envisioning a, a conference finals run. They would they would need to get some fortune, but that is the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Indiana Pacers. I'm right up there, um, although, and this might surprise you, I also have, I, I have the Mavs down there in place of the Thunder on the lower half of it. Okay, and is that mainly just a, a matchup thing because they're, they're uh, yeah. at the seven spot right now. Exactly why I'm looking at that. The Thunder to me are scrappy enough, versatile enough. I think the three-guard line can cause problems. Um, defensively, they're weird, and I don't go against Chris Paul in a situation like this. So they're definitely in the mix. They're all in the same tier. But I put the Pacers down there, and right next to them, instead of the Thunder, I put the Mavs. So, and that's really, like you said, purely a matchup-based um, situation. And the fact that I, I, I don't think they can be pretty dangerous where they're at. I think, I think the series itself could be fun. But I'm I'm not really losing any sleep as it's currently constructed. Yeah, I guess the 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 way I would uh, you know rebut that would be to to say that uh, who is it in the, in the number two spot right now? The Denver Nuggets, correct? Um, no, the Clippers. Are the Clippers right? at the two? Yeah, Clippers are two, and the Nuggets are three. Okay, well, but but the seeds can change given these eight games, and there's a chance that Denver could hop into that two spot if I'm not mistaken. There is, there is. No, there definitely is. They're not, they're not off by much. Um, well, Denver is seven games out, um, and the Clippers are five and a half uh, out of first. Yeah. So, so Denver right now forty three and twenty two, and the Clippers are forty four and twenty. So yeah, yeah. If I'm if, thinking on things holding, that's probably why I'm looking at it that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
and 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 yeah, even if uh, even if they were to flip, Dallas would you know I, I would like Dallas's chances against Denver a lot more than against the Clippers. But then even if they were to win that series, the next round they would uh, they would be forced to play the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. So uh, that's that's probably a fair point. I had Dallas next on on my list, so we're we're pretty close. And then the the final two teams I had there. The, the Denver Nuggets and the, the Miami Heat. And, and again, speaking to Denver, uh, even though, you know, they, um, if, if they're in the, in the three spot and, and get out of that first round, they're, they're going to have to play the Clippers. And uh, so, so a, a conference finals trip is, is unlikely unless Kawhi Leonard or Paul George sprains an ankle. Um, and then uh, for for the Miami Heat, you know, they're a team that I like them. I think they're a team that it really will depend on the matchup, uh, whether they can they can advance a couple of rounds. But uh, to me, they just lack the the top tier talent that some of the other teams in the East and especially at the top of the West have. True. Well, two things. One, I agree with your point. Two, I have to make an amendment, and I'm scared to say this, but I think we might have the same group because I said I had six teams in my dangerous playoff teams list. Um, I had one team twice, so I had to get rid of one. Oh, okay. Um, so which we're... killed me because I was like, oh, no, I'm like, yeah, I got six. I'm getting ready to defend my point and bring up this other team. I'm like, wait a second. I had them in the challenger and the dangerous playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> so my mistake for that, um, I fear I, I would like to sometimes differ from you, but I think we have the exact same tier of five, and we just discussed them, so we do. Okay, so well, yeah, maybe uh, maybe when we get to the last couple of tiers, we'll have we'll have some disagreements within the tiers at the very least. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so um, we we've gone through tiers four and three. Now we're up to uh, the second tier, which is the title challengers. I've got four teams in this tier, and uh, I'll just list them off, and then we can we can kind of go into it. Uh, so at the bottom of the of this tier, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. Then right above them, I have the Houston Rockets. Then uh, in second in this tier is the Boston Celtics. And at the top of the tier, I have the Toronto Raptors. Oh, wow. Yep, major disagreement. 76ers at the bottom, Celtics right above them, Raptors over them, and the Rockets above all. Oh, okay. So you're uh, <laughs> you're bigger on the Rockets, or, uh, or either that or lower on the Raptors than I am. I, I kind of feel like it's a mix of both. I'm big on the Rockets for sure. Um, the Raptors are a solid team to me. I think there's a chance. I mean, they're obviously challenging for the title, and they're right under the Rockets in terms of that. So, I mean, I, I, I think the East is, is pretty clear. Yeah, maybe the Raptors can kind of, you know, challenge them just like the Celtics and 76ers conceivably can post a challenge to the Bucks. But I just don't see it as, as very, very likely. Um, I love the way the Raptors have been able to play. But just in general, I think when you get back to this um, – the playoffs where they ran so much through Kawhi, I think now they have a lot more of an egalitarian type of style offensively, um, but they don't have someone I can see just saying, okay, I'm going to take you guys and, and take you over, um, kind of put you on my back and make these tough shots. Oh, the Pascal Siakam slander, man. Oh, my. Yeah, I don't see, I mean, I, I, he's been good for them, but consistently as that go-to offensive guy again and again, I don't fully trust him. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think he's been fair to pick up a lot of the, of the offensive fight this season, but I also think a lot of it's been just more usage and more of that role. I don't want it's like it's hard for me. I don't want to discount the the production that he's been able to do and the way he's been able to increase that since Kawhi left. But I just don't trust it in this spot to then say, okay, now those shots Kawhi took, those type of looks, those are yours. Those creating and the tough 
know, displaying the wealth may sputter, just to be quite frank, you know? Yeah. Uh, I guess my sort of, the, the way I went about this tier is, you know, with, with Philadelphia and Houston specifically, they're to me two teams that against one particular opponent, I think they match up reasonably well. So for, you know, for Philadelphia, I think, and I guess with, with the Sixers, they match up well with, um, with Milwaukee and Boston uh, because, you know, Boston struggles to guard Embiid. Uh, they don't have that kind of that size to deal with him. And then with Milwaukee, the Sixers can throw both uh, Al Horford and Embiid at the likes of Giannis and Tentacumpo. Um, so, so I like those potential matchups for Philadelphia, but their offense is, is so bad that I, I question their ability to get through three or even four series in a postseason run. I think one, one round or another, they're going to just struggle so mightily to knock down shots and, and generate enough offense to get things going. And then for Houston, I really like their matchup against the Lakers. You know, we, we've talked about in the past, I, I really like Houston's ability to potentially make the Lakers downsize and, and force the, the likes of Howard and McGee off the court. Uh, and, and so that, that gives them a chance against the, the Lakers. But then against the Clippers, I just don't see a scenario, And again, unless, unless uh, uh, Kawhi or Paul George gets hurt, uh, that just seems like a terrible matchup for the Rockets. I guess my concern with that matchup for Houston is that not only did you mention that the Clippers bigs have uh, in those matchups, even after the, the Rockets had gone to their super small lineups, it seemed like the likes of Zubac and Harrell were able to stay on the floor without too big of an issue. But also, if push comes to shove, I think the Clippers could do a super small ball better than the Rockets do. You know, you talk about a Jamichael Green. He's a more prolific shooter than the likes of P.J. Tucker is. You know, you talk about the wings and Kawhi, Paul George, Marcus Morris. You've got Patrick Beverly. You've got Landry Shamit. Uh, they've just got so much there, so much depth across the, the wing and guard positions that if they need to downsize, if, if somehow Houston is able to do uh, what they've done to some teams and forced the, them to go small, I still like the Clippers. Uh, I mean, I get you. I think that the Clippers' small ball is, is definitely dangerous. I just don't know if they've been playing it that season enough like the Rockets have. Yeah, they can go small, but the Rockets play small. 
Michael Green and PJ to me is a wash. Michael can be targeted a lot more on defense than PJ can. And although he can be more prolific, I guess in moments, uh, I think PJ Tucker is well within his role. No one on the Clippers is going to say, okay, we're going to play through Jermichael at any stretch in time. You know what I mean? So I think for that, it's different. And also, like, like I was mentioning, I think the big thing is how they play. Yeah, the Clippers could match up that way, but that's not their best lineup. You know, I don't think it is. It's not something that they would go to. They, they like having... You know, Montrez have his minutes. Zubac having, you know, the, the opening um, Kendrick Perkins special is kind of what they do. They have a style that they've kind of gone through, even with the injuries and not having their full lineup until well into the season. And so for that, yeah, I think when it comes to, okay, you put your best small five out there and I put my best small five out there, yeah, I can see more on the Clippers' side. But just because I don't think that the Rockets know what they want to do with Clippers, are going small more to react to the Rockets than because they would actually like to do that. Yeah, and I didn't even mention Lou Williams when I mentioned the, the small ball lineups that the Clippers that could go to. Um, but defensively, I just feel yeah. Lou Williams is a walking target on any team, much less a team like the Rockets, that you have a guy in James Harden who you could get over to Lou. You have a guy in Russell who just take Lou down to the post. I mean, I think that as many benefits as you bring Lou in, you also have weaknesses, and I think that goes big or small. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, I think Lou Williams should have his role severely limited, especially when you get to you know, conference semifinals and onward. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess I trust Doc Rivers enough to, to say that uh, if, he, if he sees something's working or sees something isn't working, that he, uh, um, you know, he's not going to be too worried about saying, hey, your, your role is going to be limited from here on out sort of situation. So uh, I just think man for man, uh, the, the Clippers have more talent, whether that's going big or going small. Uh, so, so that's why, you know, as, as much as I think a, a run to the conference finals is, is possible for, for the Rockets, like if, if they go up against a healthy Clippers team, I would give them less than a 10% chance of winning that series. Yikes! Dude, you are lower on the Rockets than I would have ever imagined. I would at least give it maybe 30%. See, I give the, I give the Rockets about 35% to 40% against the Lakers, but not the Clippers. drastically on our Russell Westbrook opinion and 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 yes. frankly I I need to see Russ actually perform in the playoffs before I'm convinced that uh, you know that uh, he's going to be a, a huge difference maker for this team in the playoffs even with the uh, the super small lineups that they have going for them but yeah the the looking at the the Raptors and the Celtics I just look at them as more uh, you know as teams that are less matchup dependent they're more just solid on both ends of the floor um, whereas you know Houston and Philadelphia, it's it's very important that they they get the right team at the right time to, to succeed. If that makes sense. No, I get you. A lot of that, I think you're looking at the lineups and, and the matchups, and I am kind of using that as a rough background to like how I dictate who would come out on top in certain situations. But I, I get exactly where you're coming from on that, and that guiding your okay, this team matches up conceivably with this one at this point. I don't think has the edge, and therefore they can't move forward because they haven't gotten out. So I get I get kind of where you're coming from for sure. So let me ask you this then. So do you think the the Rockets have a better chance of advancing past the Clippers or the Raptors of advancing against the Bucks? 
I gotta give it to the Rockets. I think the Bucks are a juggernaut. I think that the they had last year, they've kind of combed over, and I don't think that the seven, that the Raptors have a way to conceivably attack those weaknesses as much as they were last year. They have a very solid team, don't get me wrong, but this is why I think the playoffs is where the loss of Kawhi is probably going to manifest itself more, just because that go-to shot-making, crunch-time creation they're able to provide, and the defense versatility as well, where you have a solid defensive team and a good, um, smart offensive team. But at the end of the day, and some person on it can stay in front of Giannis for sure, um, but at the end of the day, I, I think I think the Bucks are too much this year, especially losing a big piece that the Raptors lost they didn't exactly picked up. They gave more to Pascal, but now you have more on him in a situation where he's going to have to come through entirely. The Raptors last year had uh, like a, a lead, I guess, Alpha Dog. I'm using all the horrible um, ESPN, um, <laughs> FS1, Alpha, go to, you know, the playoff get bucket getters. I'm going all those. Uh, I'll just call you Skip for the rest of the episode. There, there you go. There you go. I might as well take it. But I, for the, I just think maybe I doubt the Clippers more than I doubt the Bucks. I think that's where it goes more for me. I'm not as high on the Rockets as I am on the Raptors, but I am a lot more higher on the Bucks than I am on the Clippers in terms of the inevitability that we'll see them in the finals. Interesting. So yeah, that's that's another thing. I, I like the Raptors' chances against the Bucks more than that, uh, that that the Rockets against the the Clippers. And and a part of that, not only you mentioned that the, the Raptors' defensive ability, uh, you know, they basically replaced Kawhi with OG and Anobi on defense. Uh, and and you know, they've just got so much, uh, so many high IQ players. A great coach. And you know, you talk about. You know, yeah, I, I get the comparison between this Raptors team and last year, but I almost like to compare what this team, the potential of this team as a playoff group versus those Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan teams that made the second round multiple times and, and made the conference finals. You know, if you if you compare them to those types of teams, which, which still advanced pretty far and pretty consistently year in, year out, this team has, you know, an, another offensive option in Siakam. It has the passing of Mark Gasol. It has a, you know, I, I think this team might even be deeper than some of those teams that, uh, you know, had had bench units led by Siakam a few years ago. Uh, so, so I really like what the Raptors can do. And also, you got to talk about the championship swagger that this team has. You know, Kyle Lowry. It felt like he was. Uh, you know, carrying the, the, the weight of the world on his back just from all his playoff struggles. But to me, I think that's gone now. Uh, he's going to be freer to just play his game come postseason. So so I still like the Raptors' chances. I, I certainly wouldn't favor them over the Bucks, yeah. but uh, I think they're going to give them a run for their money. See, yeah, I, I, see, I see a five game, maybe six. I don't see it at all. I mean, the Bucks are just so much better this year than before. If you're going to compare the Raptors two years in the past, which is more than fair. I think you have to compare this Bucks team to Bucks iterations in the past. And right now, I mean, blistering pace, I think they're first in pace, first or top 10 in both offensive and defensive rating, just a bus on entirely. I think they just wear the Raptors down. I do think you have a different Raptors team. You do have that swagger. They're not going to fold. I think they're going to fight for sure. I don't think any game's going to be a blowout. But I also don't see where, let's say, the Bucks, the Raptors can take I don't see it maybe I, I don't see it likely going to six definitely don't see it going to seven um and for me I just think that's 
improved from the year before is rough, and we still got other guys that might not even get as many minutes that are in there, like a Marvin Williams to come in as well. You have Brooks still. You, I just, I don't know. It'd be fun. It'd be fun, entertaining games. It'd be tight games that would go down, but I don't see them where you look and say, okay, the Raptors really push it. I think the, the Bucks win between, like, six and eight points comfortably. Well, my, my concern with Milwaukee in that series is on the offensive end. And, and obviously, as you said, they, they've made some improvements. They've got uh, a little bit more versatility with the likes of Williams. But you look at Brooke, Brooke Lopez, you know, he is shooting significantly worse from downtown this year than he did last year. And, you know, that game one of that Eastern Conference Finals last year, Brooke Lopez was the MVP, just knocking down threes and, and really setting a tone. I mean, can you imagine a series where – uh, you know, then that Raptors defense and that collective IQ, if Brook Lopez isn't hitting shots and Gasol can hang in the paint and you can also ignore Eric Bledsoe, all of a sudden the offense gets, uh, it, things get really tricky for Milwaukee to score points. That's true. I mean, it's really weird. When they're dominant, they're going to be um, amazing, and then when they're not, it's going to be rough. I just think at the end of the day, you can find more ways to grind it out and go through them than you can with the Raptors, who I'm looking at a lot on Pascal, obviously, and a lot on Lowry, and then Fred Van Vliet, and it's not like you're going to, like, just known points of of offensive um, consistency from these guys, you know what I mean? They kind of do as a unit. I think they have, like, five, six players in double figures, and Norman Powell's had a great year entirely, but I just, I, maybe it's, it's lack of faith in the Raptors' more egalitarian system come time when, let's just say that's harder to consistently manufacture points in that fashion you know i see a lot of 2015 hawks in this team yeah it'll uh it'll be interesting i guess we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see on that and of course you know we 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 may not actually end up getting that series you know there are a couple of other teams in the east that are that are going to try to 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 make that uh you know something that doesn't happen including the the boston celtics who we didn't really touch on much but i think is a, a really really solid basketball team um, yeah, was was there anything you wanted to, to bring up about the Celtics before we or or the Sixers, I should say, before we move on to our title favorites? I mean, the Celtics, I agree with you offensively. Boom. I mean, take everything I said. The Raptors just throw a douse of a douse more uh, pessimism on them, and, and you have the 76ers. And then for the Celtics, bottom line, you're playing a bunch of teams that have good to great bigs, and you're going to war with Daniel Tice starting and and, and coming off the bench with um um. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting his name now, and I love the Robert game. Robert Williams or Enos Cantor. Robert Williams or Enos Cantor, exactly. With that big man rotation, uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the concern too is that potential first round matchup against Philadelphia for Boston. A lot of people are exactly. concerned about that for the Celtics. That you know, yeah, it, it is true that Daniel Tice as as much as I like Tice, I think he has turned himself into a solid starting center. He's yeah. just you know he's. He's more on the thin side. He, he, he doesn't have great size, uh, either height-wise, wingspan-wise, or weight-wise. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that that is a recipe for disaster, especially if you've got a, uh, you know, an, an, a Joel Embiid who is healthy and in shape, which uh, there are reports that uh, he's in pretty good condition. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's, that's what's going to be interesting to see that matchup because on the 76ers side, you're going to have some probably like a game I guess you'd like to see some tight maybe offensively kind of ugly games but but some that will be good to watch between the South 76ers where if the 76ers like I said and beating them are healthy um you know obviously Ben Simmons being a big one there as well that that'll be good when the Celtics go small I think they can cause the 76ers cause issues because their strength is more in their size but off 
defensively manufacturing points is kind of wonky for the 76ers at times as well. So it'll be interesting seeing Jason Tatum go off, seeing Ben Simmons, you know, Jalen Brown. There's going to be some stars, going to be some some big time performances. But but as a whole, yeah, I don't see a situation where the Celtics can overcome that height by playing smaller. Like I just I don't see that being something that works for them. Right, uh, and yeah, the. Uh, that was why I think at the deadline they were they were in talks to try to maybe acquire Davis Bertans, a big that could actually stretch the floor and really be a, a big-time shooting stretch. Maybe a guy like him would have allowed them to, as you said, just go super small and, and outscore the opposition. But, yeah, they, they don't really have the personnel to, to do that. Oh, no, I have one re- real quick random question. Yeah. Um, with DeMarcus Cousins potentially being available, uh, you know, we don't know his recovery as far as, like, the torn ACL and everything. But if he's available or someone like, I don't know, maybe a Dragon Bender. Do you see the Celtics maybe picking up one of those two? And Dragon Bender is just another guy to pull up of the scrap heap bin as a big that's available in free agency. I think DeMarcus would be someone I'm more thinking of as a big that, hey, you know, we'll take you out for matchups. And, yeah, we're definitely going to gamble on putting you up here. But at least you can kind of match up with some of these guys that Daniel Tice just simply can't and this can't just be exposed on the defensive end with. Are you sure DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent? Because I don't know if he would agree with you. I think he still wants uh, to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Trust me, trust me. I, as a Lakers fan, I still want to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> but unless the Lakers are getting rid of either, um, um, what's his name, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who is like their one bit of youth on that team, or they're thinking about moving on from uh, recently acquired Dion Waiters, I feel like Cousins still on the outside looking in. Um, although, if I'm the Lakers and LeBron James has a major force, by Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I thought it was funny seeing, you know, you seeing after he was released that, uh, oh, he's still, he's still in Los Angeles working out at the Lakers facility. It's like, oh, that's, that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, LeBron. That's. I, I even I was like, that doesn't smell exactly right. But okay, like it works, it works, you know. And that led me to believe that he was just going to be coming back. And now you're right. Like I think that he definitely can. Um, but that, that was something that even when I saw, I was like, well, that's interesting. I didn't know you could do that. You know, if that was the case, I was back in the day with Cleveland and, um, what was his name? Um, oh my goodness, Anderson Verizal. Remember when he had, or, or Zadrunas Ogowskis, remember when he got traded from the Cavs to the Wizards and then got released and picked back up by the Cavs or something? Oh, the, the, yeah, the Cavs wanted to re-sign him, but, uh, that was, uh, was not allowed. Yeah, there you go. It's always some, I mean, LeBron got favorites as bigs, and it's always some weird thing where they have to cut them for salary or roster reasons, and yet they somehow either hang back around or want to hang back around. Right. Um, but, yeah, to, to, to answer your original question, no, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins or uh, especially Dragon Bender is going to really help Boston accomplish anything in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, when I, when I said Dragon Bender, I basically bombed my own uh, hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of another free agent big out there that could conceivably – you know, that was on a roster this season that's out there right now. You know, a lot of the guys they're looking at out there are more like Cousins and Noah's just been signed and Gerald Green's been talked about and Amon Shumper. Like, you don't really hear any bigs. And I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. But, yeah, once I said Dragon Bender, you might as well just said, moving on. <laughs> well, and uh, speaking of, of free agent bigs, there was breaking news in the NBA today that sent shockwaves through the uh, the community, and I'm sure chills down the uh, the tw- 21 of the 22 team's spines, and that is that the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers signed Joakim Noah. Dude, 
<laughs> the two words I didn't want to hear, Joe Kim Noah, this late into the year of 2020. Um, I'm telling you, as a Lakers fan, I, I'm, I'm just, oh, I'm, oh, I'm about to yell. I'm just so concerned, you know, that we <laughs> have such a, a devastating center who, oh, you might have to, you might, oh, you might have to explain uh, why this is such a big, a big, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, uh, we we had uh, or at least I had come up with my uh, my teams and the tiers prior to that news, but I had to start doing some rejiggering after that. Uh, <laughs> we're squarely in my like dangerous teams to watch to like hovering over quick Disney vacations and like once they signed Joe Kim Noah, they didn't even see title challengers. They skipped right to title favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's hear. Uh, now that we've uh, we've we've come to the conclusion that we both have the same three teams, uh, I'd like to hear what order you have those three teams in your in your title favorites tier. All right, a lot of this is homerism. Uh, Lakers, Bucks, Clippers. Okay, just kidding. Um, it's Bucks, Lakers, Clippers. And that's and that's one, two, three. Buck, Bucks one. One, two, three. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Bucks one, Lakers two, Clippers three. Um, it didn't really take a whole lot of high level analysis. I just went by records. Um, because with those three teams, the Lakers and Clippers are tight. The Bucks and Lakers had some good matchups, and I think the Clippers are a scary matchup for the Bucks. Um, and, and I guess they were already kind of a shoe in in many of the regular, uh, regular season uh, predictions to make the final. So I just figured with those three teams, they are now. A lot of it will just be which team is rolling, matchups, injuries, and how that will all shake up. Interesting. So, yeah, I, uh, I have a, a few discrepancies. My number one is the Clippers. And uh, at two, I've got the Bucks, and at three, I have the Lakers. And that to upset me, man. <laughs> well, let me let me let me uh, clarify though that whatever team comes out of the West, whether it, assuming it's either the Clippers or the Lakers, I would favor them over the Bucks in an NBA Finals. But because I think the Bucks have a higher chance of getting to the Finals, that's why I have them as uh, higher in the tier than the Lakers. I mean, that makes enough sense. The Lakers are still to go to the Clippers, but also the reverse is true. Um, but the Lakers you know, will no longer have their uh, seven-game home court advantage against the Clippers. And that is that is telling. I'm not going to lie. That's telling. I think it's going to take a monster. It's going to take a lot of keyword monster performances from a lot of different teams. I don't think that these Clippers are the warrior juggernauts. You know, I think there are some, some guys that, um, while better right now, we're a lot either less playoff proven or a lot less consistent than I think the Lakers have the experience for. Now at the top level, I don't know between Kawhi and Paul George and Anthony Davis and LeBron. I'm not even gonna try to dictate between those four. But everyone else going down, yeah, I would say if you put the next, let's say ten of them lined up together, I'm sure six to seven of them are going to come from the Clippers side over the Lakers side. Um, but I think in games where you know the stars are gonna be playing a lot more minutes. Um, I do or am high on Danny Green a lot more. You know, we'll kind of see what everyone else brings you there. Uh, I have to, I mean, even with all my Lakers bias, I'd have to give the edge to the Clippers. But um, bottom line, I'm just not as sold on them as, yeah, on paper they're very good. They've been pretty good when they've had all their team together. But there's a lot of variables that you have to take into consideration with the injuries with the Kawhi, with the lack of faith for me and Landry Shaman in some cases or Reggie Jackson in other cases or having Doc Rivers to put them in the right positions when the when the moments matter most. Um, I'm, I'm not too sold on a, a championship coach like Doc Rivers managing such a deep team um, and getting the most out of the guys when they need to be there. I can see him playing some guys too long and 
others not enough. It's just a weird situation that maybe I just, maybe just inherently as a Lakers fan, I just want to go against the Clippers. That could be <laughs> that, but I do think there's enough reason that you can at least make an argument, and that's what I'm trying to go with. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think we, we found the crux of our disagreement with the Clippers is that, uh, you know, you're not a Landry Shamit believer, whereas, uh, you know, give me all the give me all the Landry Shamit stock you can find. I'm all about that player. I mean, if you want me to buy some Landry Shamit stock, let him put on the purple and gold, and I will blindlessly follow him to the end of the earth. No, <laughs> I mean, look at me right now. I'm going to stick up for Rajon Rondo being playoff Rondo and carrying the Lakers in the backcourt, which I am doing right now. Okay, so, I mean... And bottom line, I know you saw us on Twitter. When you really look at it, if you know only only the sheep will disagree. Alex Caruso is just definitely a better player in the playoffs than Lou Williams will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think there's a uh, there's a reasonable argument there. That's it sounds crazy on paper, but you know the the Lakers, especially with LeBron James. You know LeBron has been known to attack the weakest guy on the opposition. And, and we saw it in the, the most recent matchup with the Lakers and Clippers. LeBron just relentlessly went at Lou Williams. And Lou Williams was a negative for the Clippers. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, with with, uh, with a guy like Caruso, you've got the concerns over him being a, uh, you know, non-threat offensively and the Clippers just completely ignoring him and clogging up the paint. That certainly is a concern. Uh, but, you know, with the way LeBron relentlessly attacks guys and makes the weakest defender pay on every single position, I think there's, uh, as as much as that was a joke, uh, I think there's a reasonable case there. Mm-hmm. And also, it wasn't, if, and I watched that last match just a little bit ago, it wasn't even just Lou Williams. They were going at Marcus Morris, who the Clippers got as another body to put on LeBron. And to be fair, I, I can't really see it because if you look back on Marcus Morris' time with the Celtics, Morris' time with the Pistons, he's never been a LeBron stop or anything close. LeBron still gets his numbers. He's just another big body size-wise. And I think for the Clippers, I'd rather, again, they'd rather have him on their side than the Lakers, but I don't like this whole thought that, oh, the, the Clippers have so many bodies to throw at um, at LeBron. Yeah, they have just that, bodies. But if you want stoppers, you're going to go to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to find someone that is going to be able to stick um, Anthony Davis was a lot more dynamic, and you're right in the playoffs. LeBron's is gonna go switch, switch, and switch again, and switch again. And it's yeah, you know, it depends to be seen if he can wear down or whatever the case may be. But I'm not going against him in the playoffs unless it's the Warriors, and we're talking about the 2018 Warriors. Like you know, like I'm, I still feel very confident in LeBron and AD in those types of matchups. Now yeah, Paul George and and and, and um, Kawhi are maybe the not the ceiling is higher, just as they stand right now over a 35-year-old LeBron and a, a very good AD, but just not being a, a high-level forward, um, at least that can initiate the offense like a Paul George or Kawhi. But at the end of the day, yeah, I just, I think that a lot of that um, about how to stick LeBron, aside from wearing him down or putting Kawhi on him, is is quite honestly overblown. I mean, we saw this last game. Of the first two games before LeBron, I mean, mind you, they had Pat Beverly on him and some, and you know, um, it wasn't like LeBron had the best shooting numbers, but I'm looking up and down on the forwards. You could throw Jermichael Green at him, I guess Patrick Patterson at him. I don't feel confident about really any of those. Um, Marcus Morris is your next guy, and that's the guy they're going to start with. But uh, when did Marcus Morris become the guy that was supposed to, like, hold LeBron in check? And when did that happen? Did I miss some level of basketball over the last, like, four years? Because last I checked, LeBron was responsible for, like, three of Marcus Morris's exits personally. 
Well, I, I think there there was a now this may be outdated, but there was a statistic going around, uh, especially early on, like when when Morris was playing on the Pistons and they had that first round matchup against the Cavs that when LeBron was being guarded by Morris, that his field goal percentage was significantly lower than when he was being guarded by anybody else. I think there is actually some some data to back up the fact that Marcus Morris is a reasonable... Again, no one is a good option on LeBron James, but that Morris is a reasonable option. And again, as you said, um, given that they've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, if Marcus Morris is your third best guy to defend LeBron... I think you're in pretty decent shape. I can see it. I, I, I can see what you mean. I mean, again, if I'm if I was a Clippers fan arguing for that angle, I would definitely say it. So that that is for sure. Um, I don't know. I think even back then it was good, but watching that series, I mean, I get what you mean, and you're right. If you have a guy like that who at the best can just stay in front of him, and, and Marcus can do that, then I think you're fine. But I think a lot of what went on to the Clippers is injury and health, and I think it's a little more of a factor than many people are taking it. Yeah, so there, there were just a couple of other notes that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, and it involves weight loss, uh, a weird topic, a uh, topic not often brought up on this podcast. But uh, Nikola Jokic, I don't know if you saw some of these, uh, these images of him, but the guy has lost an enormous amount of weight. There's rumors, I haven't actually seen the photos, but you, you may have even mentioned this to me, that James Harden has, uh, has lost a significant amount of weight. But uh, I wanted to get your takes on if you think that'll help or hurt those guys, and uh, you know if that changes the 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 odds of, of, of those respective teams at all. You know it's weird. Also, I got to throw in uh, Marcus Gasol lost a lot of weight. I know as a Raptors fan, you'd be happy to, to like he he leaned up, man. He looks years younger. It's kind of crazy. I haven't seen um, him yet, but I'll, I'll check that out. Oh, check it out. It's it's night and day. Like you will you will be yeah. Check it out for sure. But um, it's weird for me. Because I don't really know how much I can factor in the weight to. I mean, if it's a player like Jokic, where a lot of it kind of rides on that and his uh, stamina and ability to stay on the floor and not do silly fouls and such because of the fatigue that comes earlier, then that could be an issue. But someone like a Marcus or like we just mentioned with a Harden, um, yeah, it can make them better on the floor, you know. But they, they were pretty decent as far as staying up and down the floor and health issues. So I can't. I don't think it hurts. Um, in other cases, it's weird. I stopped really factoring the weight as an issue back in doesn't ring any bells but i mean uh, i, I believe you weird. and i was like oh and i remember doing some like high level for corbin thinking how would that apply to their play you know lebron was such a dominant beast will him being lighter make a big difference like Carmelo post up will that be a big issue and i thought about it and i was like trying to say oh no it's gonna be a big factor and ultimately it wasn't like players bodies and how they lose and gain weight in proportion you know as far as muscle and what to build and what to let go i think it can only help if they think it can help you know what i mean i, I think the players know their bodies better on that front you can clearly see when the weight is hampering someone or if they go and do like a sean kemp or something like that <laughs> yeah. where they come back and this is a mess but aside from that i tend to trust the players on the weight loss um if Jokic being someone like that will, will help then you know i think he more than anything is is there and i think for him it's probably more of a factor than maybe a marcus uh, not a marcus maybe a um a marcus Harden's body type is such that he can definitely like 
put on pounds, I guess, but not severely impact his play injury level or minutes-wise because he does play a lot of minutes and he doesn't get injured too, super often. Whereas with Jokic, you could kind of see on the floor moments where he's visibly fatigued a little earlier than most, and so I feel it's helpful. So I basically spent two minutes talking my way around um, not knowing the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that until I got back to where I started with no endpoint. But um, I, bottom line, I think if the players think it's cool, then then yes. And with the with the matter of Jokic, I think anyway, losses was positive, uh, especially on high level playoff minutes where he'll be having not only a lot of responsibility on the floor, but a lot of minutes on it as well. Well, as the uh, as the pessimist of the two of us, I'll uh, I'll, I'll express some of my concerns. Uh, okay. <laughs> the uh, the um, you know the the weight loss for for Jokic is a bit concerning to me because again, you know, as a guy that relies a lot on his post-up game and drawing doubles and then using his passing out of that, you know, his ability to kind of bully ball and, and push guys under the rim was, was a big part of his offensive repertoire. And if that is just gone now, I don't really know what Nikola Jokic looks like, especially as an isolation player, which, you know, his isolation was on the block. And uh, but you saw you saw his point guard skills gonna cross people up off the dribble like a Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think uh, you know it's it's all good that these players lose some weight and, and maybe it marginally helps with quickness, but uh, yeah, that's that's not happening. Uh, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, also you know you speak to the likes of James Harden and Marcus Saul and 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 them losing some weight. Uh, you know, part of the reason. I think Philadelphia is such a bad matchup for against the the Raptors is that Gasol is such a great post defender against Embiid and now if he doesn't have quite the size and strength to deal with Embiid maybe all of a sudden that's a bit more of an issue uh and or you look at James Harden and and a big part of why the Rockets are so good with their or, or not good but okay with their switching scheme <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is uh, is because you know, James Harden is uh, is a pretty good post defender, uh, and and maybe if he doesn't quite have that bulk, he's not quite as effective on the on the uh, post defense. You know what? That's true. You gave two points where these players rely on it in different ways, and that is something to be said, especially when Harden is playing at some points at power forward. Um, you know, alongside a uh, Covington or, or PJ Tucker um, in certain lineups, so the, or even small forward against like bigger wings like you might find the Clippers. So I think that'll be interesting. Again, I guess there remains to be seen. We're still a little bit more than a month away. So of course these guys can put on some weight, um, you know, and ramp up in anticipation of the season starting. So maybe it's just a reaction to it. And now they kind of, you know, adjust their bodies to some semblance of normal or, or just a little bit more where they have more muscle on their frame. Um, so maybe that'll be something to consider. If they look like this again, moving on, then I think you do have to be concerned a little bit more. Um, but right now I, I feel... I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how they come back and see these players back in the uniforms and everything, and then kind of go from there. You know? Absolutely. Well, yeah. This was uh, this was certainly a a fun exercise going through all twenty two teams, and and as you said, we still have uh, over a month prior to this restart. So you know, maybe we did this pot a little too early because uh, there <laughs> there there may be plenty of news that uh, that alters these rankings. Uh, before the games actually begin but uh, hopefully not hopefully uh, most of the players will will go hopefully the NBA does a really good job in terms of 
um, you know, giving the players what they want in terms of the, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and uh, you know, making sure that the platform is, is a positive one and not just a distraction. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I can speak for the both of us that uh, I'm very excited for, uh, for basketball to be back. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you, you do speak for both of us on that because I am, I am right there with you and just chopping at the bit for some hoops, you know. Especially, it's going to be weird because my body... Um, NBA clock is already off thinking that, you know, there's no basketball in June. So, you know, I mean, June, I mean, at least this late in June, that isn't the final. So it's interesting. But looking at it now, yeah, I'm, I'm ready, man. This is uh, it's kind of overdue and, uh, you know, it's, it's a passion. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some, some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the, the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host, Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he, uh, he does, a, d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. Uh, Corbin also is the site expert for the fan-sided website Valley of the Sun, which talks all things Phoenix Suns. So you can check out uh, what he's doing there. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.